Yo, welcome back. On this episode, I have Jake Bajorseth on again. We're going to do these weekly episodes and talking about everything from Gen Z, entrepreneurship, current trends, social media, and really everything in between. So super excited to launch this kind of mini series where Jake and I really dive into all of these things. So really hope you enjoy. We did a little overrated, underrated type style at the end of this podcast, similar to what Gary Vee is doing on Instagram, but in true Gen Z fashion. So super fun conversation, all about entrepreneurship, Chipotle, and everything in between. So hope you enjoy the episode. And without further ado... Let's get on to it. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another podcast. You have myself, Jake, and Sam Lister joining. Sam, it's a pleasure to chat with you this beautiful morning. Thanks for hopping on, Jake. I'm super pumped to uh, chat all things Gen Z, entrepreneurship, overrated, underrated things. So, Excited to get into it. Yes. Yeah, so I went ahead and asked uh, some Instagram or ran some Instagram polls earlier and asked people what are the questions they want to hear answered from myself and you. And one of the questions that continually comes up that I think you get a lot is how did you tell your parents that? Well, in your case, how did you tell your parents you weren't going to college? And then for me, it was how did I tell my parents I wanted to leave school? So for you, what did that conversation look like? Because you never even attended college. You went straight from high school into the business world. What did that conversation look like? Yeah, it was super interesting. Um, A, I'm super grateful that my parents are fairly entrepreneurial as well. My dad works for himself. Um, They've ran their own business together before. So um, I come from a pretty long line of entrepreneurs. So kind of convincing them to not go to school, that was... uh, a whole nother beast instead of kind of like jumping straight into entrepreneurship. Um, so they, they all went to school. Um, my grandparents also did. So they were doctors, nurses um, from the coming, uh, immigrating from the Philippines. So like any traditional Asian based, uh, based grandparents and, and parents, like their whole thing is education or nothing. You're, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, um, and that's pretty much it. Do- doctor, lawyer, or failure. Um, and that, that's what a lot of um, foreign, foreign parents push. So I was definitely grateful enough that my parents, even though they did go to school, they were open to me not going to pursue my own entrepreneurial pursuit because I think they have a pretty solid balance of, yeah, they did go to college, but they're also entrepreneurs as well. Um, But essentially, I convinced them to let me have one semester off uh, to try to make something happen for myself. So try to jump into the world of entrepreneurship and simply make money and be sustainable. That was literally my only goal. Like, how can I make money as fast as possible to prove to them that I can do this entrepreneurial thing? Um, and they gave me one semester. So uh, from fall of 2018 to like spring of 2019, which would be my first, technically first semester in college, like my freshman year. So before then I started... Um, just testing a bunch of different things from uh, cryptocurrencies to Forex trading to uh, drop shipping, pretty much everything in between um, to try to make something work. And then uh, I landed on video and that's when things really started to spark um, right at the start of kind of like fall of fall of 2018. So when I would be going into my uh, freshman year. So overall to summarize all of that, um, I convinced them to give me a little bit of time and then I just hit the ground running and tested as much as many things as possible. So that's what I would definitely recommend to other people. Like if you, if you want to convince your parents not to go to school, test things first, test out um, crypto, anything in entrepreneurship, make money, find out a way to make money. There's so many ways to make money online from affiliate marketing to social media and, and anything in between. So test first, show them you can do it. And then, then it'll be an easier time convincing them. How about you? How is the conversation dropping out of school? Yeah, well, it, it was it was very similar conversation. So I actually did go to school for a year. While I was there, that's when I started kind of blossoming the company and the ideas around it. It wasn't necessarily growing in terms of revenue and brand, but kind of the ideas and strategies to get there, the team, you name it, uh, kind of the planning process, connections, network. And so I actually used my first year at school to use that as a time where my plate wasn't insane. Yeah, I was taking a lot of uh, credit hours, but the reality is, and everyone understands this, like school does act, like actually doesn't take that much time 
especially nowadays where you can go get the answers for anything online. And if it's taking you more than like 40 hours a week, then you're probably doing something wrong. Um, and, and my philosophy too is always like, what is the, what is the limited, like, what is the least amount of time I can spend towards something to do decent enough? So if there's a test, I understand that I could study for eight hours and probably get an A, but I could also probably study for like 30 minutes right before the test and knock out a B. And I'm totally cool with that. And I'll find a way to kind of mix and match throughout the process. So I use that first year at school to really develop my network, develop the ideas and strategies around the business. And then what I did was I actually presented a plan to my parents uh, of what I wanted to do. Uh, so I, so I, then, you know, when I moved back from school after finishing my, my first year, so I actually did finish it out, finish with a three, six GPA. So my strategy, I say on, on like very limited time towards school, it obviously works. That's a very much a decent enough GPA, unless you're going to like law school or med school. And, uh, so from there I presented a plan to my parents and I said, here's what I'm going to do over the summer. And this is what I'm gonna do with the company. And here's what it's going to look like. And we had that exact same conversation. And that's, that's exactly what my mentor told me was, yes, like have the vision, have the big idea, but at the end of the day, make some fucking money because you have to realize that that is the only driver that allows you to then drop out. And money is the only thing where then it, be, it, then it can ultimately become your decision to leave school rather than one relying on your parents. Uh, what, what I did you know, I, I went out and with the last of my money, got an office space for the summer, uh, had my friends work in, uh, for sweat equity uh, or very low payments. I was mowing lawns on the weekend to cover my expenses because the company wasn't making a whole lot of money. Uh, and then we just got to the point where after about two and a half months, you know, we got some news coverage, some PR, started popping off left and right, closing deals. And then it got to the point where by August, three months later, we were doing enough revenue to sustain myself and a few other people. So then at that point, I could make the decision to leave school. It was no longer on my parents and I didn't have anything to prove. I didn't need their money. I didn't need their support. I went and got a super shitty apartment in Westport in Kansas City. And that was the approach. And I think that's what people need to take. The approach of you need to be making money at the end of the day. And too many people think that they need to build the next fucking Facebook in order to drop out. The reality is you just need to figure out a way to go out and make even $2,400 a month, three grand a month. I mean, honestly, you could probably live off two grand a month when you're 20 years old, like yeah. get an apartment for 500 bucks a month. You should like, you might have a car payment. You might have insurance. You might have a phone payment. That'll be maybe a thousand now total. And then just go to Costco, get $200 worth of groceries. That's 1200. You still should have even some savings to go have some fun or fuck around or throw into a Roth IRA. So I think some people try to think that they need to like take a massive step when really you just got to figure out a way to make money in the short term. And so people always ask me, you know, Hey, Jake, I want to leave school. How should I tell my parents or how, how, like, how do I start my company if my parents won't let me leave school? And what I always tell them is, go fucking make money, then you can do whatever the hell you want because you, your parents won't be on your ass if you're fending for yourself. At that point, you know, if you're over 18 years old, you are your own adult. You can deliberately make whatever decisions you want. And a lot of people think that their parents are gonna resent them for that. Let me tell you this, my parents at first definitely resented the fact that I left school. You know, I was a student, I was gonna graduate within three years, always a great student, gonna go then get an MBA at that point and so on. And they were really scared about it. They wouldn't wanna to talk to the friends, uh, their friends about it and so on. Now it's so funny because everywhere I go, my parents brag about it. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh yeah, Jake dropped out of school. Now he's doing this, this and this, and it's so cool. Oh, and by the way, like we didn't waste a hundred grand on college, like you fucking idiot parents and all this other stuff they're probably not that cocky, but you get the point. So yep. that's what I would say. Like the, the two biggest things go out and make money and don't worry about the short term relationship with your parents because your parents are going to love you no matter what. And I think it's one of those things that, um, in the long run, it all work out. Yeah, I agree. I agree hundred percent. And especially when you're young, like people love to get fucking fancy, like eat shit and live with your parents for a little bit. Like I got my first apartment when I was like 20. And so I, I lived with my parents from, growing up until like 1920. And like, I, again, I was grateful enough that I, I have an awesome relationship with my parents, but 
in reality, when the world was still open, I would spend such little time at home that I couldn't even justify getting an apartment because I was literally only there to sleep. It was meetings all day, running around, filming everything. So I think people yeah. love to spend money on shit that they don't need instead of putting it back into themselves and investments into their business. Like I remember even like growing up, um, just working, working normal jobs from like 14 to 18, I would save or invest every single penny I had, um, into different stocks, ETFs, savings, anything to still have that money to work for itself. But then also I can pull it out to work for my, uh, be able to work for myself, um, eventually. So before entrepreneurship, what, what did your life look like? I, I don't, I don't even know this backstory. Like, did you have yeah. any shitty jobs? Where, where'd you start kind of your work career outside of kind of like mowing lawns? Because I definitely, I love, uh, I love cutting grass. That was definitely my hustle too. Um, so I, I resonate with that. Yeah. So what's funny is I never actually had like a, an actual job until high school, uh, where I landed a kind of, a an internship while I was actually senior in high school where I would go to school for like three hours and then the rest of the day would be uh, in this internship program um, at, ironically enough, one of the biggest employers in Kansas City. So I went like straight to corporate, like didn't even go the steps up from like waterway or anything. I was always working for myself and just kind of slinging stuff to get by. Um, and when I say slinging stuff, I'm not talking about drugs. I'm talking about I, I would sell this over here or I would be mowing lawns or I'd start this company, like start selling workout programs to young freshmen in high school when I was like a junior senior and could lift a lot. So yeah, it was always just stuff kind of left and right, always entrepreneurial. But I would say I never had the vision of like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Like that, that, that was never conscious. I don't know if it wasn't that popular back then. And it's just now over the past five years, like become incredibly popular. But it was one of those things where it wasn't really a conscious decision for me. It just kind of naturally happened. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of people force things. They force themselves. They say, I want to be like this person. So therefore I need to be an entrepreneur. And the reality is I think it's far better to let yourself develop naturally uh, because what develops naturally is going to be your actual like inherent strengths. Like I have a set of inherent strengths that are like specific to me that I'm great at and always have been great at and others don't have that. And that happens to work well for me in marketing and entrepreneurship, but for other people and they're incredibly talented at other things and they force themselves into entrepreneurship. And I see that very often because they want to, they want to be an entrepreneur. They want to be associated with that lifestyle accordingly, uh, which I think is entirely overhyped and, and kind of overrated. So, you know, for me growing up, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of, uh, you know, in terms of like where I was at in terms of like middle school, high school, pop popularity, things of that nature. I was always that kid that was friends with uh, every different group. And I would never, I was never, and I think we've talked about this, but I would never associate myself with like one group or click. I fucking same. hated that. Like the same people hang out every fucking weekend with the same group of guys and girls and do the same thing at the same person's house. And it's the same bullshit conversations. I was always, I would go to, and, and what's so funny is I'm like junior, senior year of high school. There were nights where me and my buddy would go to like nine different parties with different <laughs> people all at different schools. I had friends at like every school in the city and so that that's kind of how how I um, how I uh, how I ultimately developed, which was funny because at the time I thought that made me a loser. I was like, I don't have like a close set of best friends that I can always rely on and always hang out with. So like I must be like a loser. And what I realized was I just wasn't interested in hanging out with the same four to five people. I wanted to experience different things. Sure, I had like best friends here and there. Uh, that that would that that would kind of go with me, but we were always just hanging out with different groups, doing different things, and it was it was really now looking back on it like super valuable to experience that because I think sometimes people attach themselves because they fear the negative far too much, and what they have to realize is there's really no downside to it. Um, so yeah, that I mean that's kind of what growing up looked for me. I was incredibly competitive, always into sports and things of that nature never turned out well because I'm short, unathletic, <laughs> white dude. And uh, I pursued basketball like crazy. What's funny actually is I was uh, I, I was uh, on a travel basketball team super young. And a lot of the guys I played with both on my team and against us are now like literally in the fucking NBA. Like <laughs> I, I, I was literally guarding like Trey Young from middle school through high school. Really? Jason Tate 
now in the NBA. Bull Bull, Michael Porter Jr. There's so Bull, many guys. Bull. <laughs> yeah, Bull, <laughs> Bull Bull. The eight-footer? <laughs> yes. I literally have a photo of, of Bull Bull guarding me. I think and I've seen like that. Crossing, trying to cross him <laughs> over and get by. And this dude, it was probably, I mean, in sixth grade, he was always like two feet taller than us. And there's yeah. like a funnier picture of us trying to like block him out. And it's like fourth grade, everyone's like four foot eight. And this dude's like six foot five already. <laughs> just a fucking animal. So yeah, it was crazy. But um, yeah, that, that was kind of what it was like growing up. And um, it, was, it was just fun experiencing different people, different cultures. Uh, but definitely it was never like a conscious decision of like, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. It was always just kind of natural, let it flow. And then it kind of just hit me like a ton of bricks one day. And that's what I decided to do. Yeah, man. Any, any funny side hustles, any, any funny selling moments or anything growing up through, through high school or no? I'm trying to think, um, there's a funny photo of me in like, what was that? I want to say like first, second, third grade, somewhere in that timeline. But, uh, me and my buddy, Ori Taylor, which is funny, he's in LA and he's a, he's an entrepreneur as well now. And we, we built this, uh, we built this like shopping cart looking thing, obviously not a shopping cart, but like, a like a cart stand thing with all these snacks and ice cream and stuff. Yeah. Go to the price shopper down the street, the grocery store, buy all these ice cream, cookies, snacks, sugar, you name it, drinks. And then we would go up to the neighborhood pool and start selling shit at the neighborhood pool. And probably the funniest part of that is I learned delegation and leadership at a very young age because we both had younger brothers the same age. So what did we do? We would, we would make them sit in the stand <laughs> all day and we would take all the profit and give them like, we'd say like, you can eat whatever, but we make all the money. And yep. of course they're going to go for it. You know, they're so much younger <laughs> than us. And then we would just fuck around at the pool all day. Meanwhile, all these kids are working for us. Uh, and so yeah, it was always shit like that. Uh, shoveling, shoveling driveways. I would do the same thing. I was like, okay, you know, how many, it, say it's snowed outside. Okay, well, how many like driveways could I shovel? I didn't have any equipment, just like a regular fucking shovel. How many could I shovel within a day? Uh, probably like five to eight max. Like it's gonna take like an hour and a half each. Like it's gonna be a long process. This is Kansas City. Like people got massive fucking driveways. And because um, everyone drives everywhere. And so I was like, okay, well, shit. I can have my friends though. I can tell them that we'll play snow football later if they help me shovel these driveways because I have to, because my parents are gonna make me because there's old people that live here. I'd go hit up those houses before, sell them on like 30 to 50 bucks to close it. I'd pocket the money. I'd be like, oh yeah, he gave us a tip. Here's like five bucks guys, whatever. And then I'd delegate and be like, all right, you're gonna shovel this yard. You're gonna shovel it here. You're gonna shovel here. You're gonna shovel here. You're gonna shovel here. And all the way, and then I'd just be chilling, and I'd go run and get the team hot cocoa, food, you name it. <laughs> but I was never doing the actual fucking work. So I kind of learned, like, leadership and delegation at a really young age and finding those quid pro quo relationships. But, yeah, those are some of my funnier, like, entrepreneurial stories that um, I've, I've started to kind of remember throughout throughout the days. But how about yourself? Any Anything funny as hell, like, growing up uh, regarding, like, entrepreneurial stuff? Yeah, it's super funny because I, I think I've always loved selling like unique things and like solving super unique problems. So like, yeah, I did like cutting grass and shoveling and that's, that's pretty common problem. And like that, that's a dope story though. I, I never really did that with any like close like neighborhood friends um, going around and stuff. But um, one thing there, so there's a music festival called Summerfest in Milwaukee and it's the biggest, um, technically the biggest music festival in the world. It's, it's 11 days long and it's a um, few, few hundred bucks for those tickets. Um, so I was, I was like freshman and sophomore in, um, in high school and I would sell like collapsible flasks to sneak alcohol in. And my parents were fucking stoked that I was doing that because I paid for all 11 days and food and drinks and everything just for selling these stupid flasks. So people, so 14, 15, 16 year old kids can sneak alcohol into Summerfest. Yeah. So I did that for a few years and it was it was geek because like that was that was probably one of my most like proud funny selling moments of like yo this is a huge problem that kids are solving so i literally like um bought out all of the all of them i could find on like amazon and shipped them shipped in my house a few weeks earlier and then just promoted on like my snapchat and stuff for five ten fifteen bucks each and made a few hundred bucks in profit um pretty much in a week so it's like that that was probably like my funniest story and my parents were fucking stoked that I was doing that. Yeah. So this is one that 
I don't think I've ever shared on video before. Uh, but I, so I was one of the first kids to get a fake ID. And this was probably age 16, I want to say. Maybe like 15. I don't know. It was fucking young. And uh, obviously, I look, I still look like I'm 12. But, uh, but, they, but I happen to live close to a liquor store on the Missouri side. So, like, I have state line next to me. The Kansas side is super strict, super strict. Missouri side, they don't give a fuck. And, uh, you know, it was this kind of sketchy liquor store. Um, the, the, the people running it are, are Indian. They, they don't even understand what I'm even saying to them half the time. And I don't really understand what they're saying. So something that I would definitely do, I don't know if I would always profit off of this. I probably have definitely like here and there, but I was always the guy that's like, yo, I'll go pick up the liquor. You just like, y'all got to cover the cost because I'm making it happen. And uh, that was definitely something where, where whenever there was a party going down, I was the guy uh, making that happen. And that was definitely a, a fun experience to make money and be social with, with friends. Uh, but one that I'm probably not super proud of, but Look, at the end of the day, like kids are going to get their hands on alcohol. I think there's this idea that like high schoolers that are 17, 18, 19 don't drink um, when it's like, OK, they obviously do. Sometimes like even there, there's parents I know, and even my parents were totally cool with it because they want they wanted us to get the experience of drinking while we're in high school at home in like another high school in parents a safe house. environment, yeah. super safe environment, as opposed to and what's so funny. The kids that are super conservative and prude and don't do that in high school, then they get to college and what get happens? Fucked in they're college. <laughs> blackout drunk every single night at a bar where they don't know everyone. And that's the kid that then gets in trouble with the police and all the other stuff and gets an MIP and so on. So, yeah, you got to be careful with shit like that. Um, yeah, that's one that I'm probably less less proud of, I would say. Well, it's, I think it's so funny because I, I parted a shit ton in high school. My parents knew it. I was always safe, though. Um, and, like, I never never got caught, ran from the cops a few times. But I think um, our, our parallels are pretty similar there. Like, I had a bunch of friends from all the, all the other surrounding schools. I never really had super close cliques. But I, I was always just nice to people, and I just loved people. So I'm like, okay, I, I want to party and hang out with a ton of other people. So it's, it's super interesting now reflecting back on um, how I got into entrepreneurship and like we got connected and like, I would love to just get connected with everyone. And I think like, that's one of my super strong strengths of like the connection of other human beings. So that's, that's definitely helped me from an entrepreneurial standpoint, but it's cool kind of reverse engineering my life of okay, where did that start? And it started in like middle school and high school. I never had a super strong group of friends, never really had like super core best friends. And that was always changing. But um, I, I definitely reflect um, and how have that relate to entrepreneurship. But in your life, how did you kind of transform from this party high school kid that does some entrepreneurial things to now entrepreneur working with um, Fortune 100 brands, hopping onto LinkedIn? Kind of tell me the origin story of maybe why it's important for young kids to hop on um, LinkedIn out of all platforms. Yeah, so I would say um, transformation came from a couple things. One of the things like growing up, while I was definitely like your partier type and um, you know like, like to have fun, things of that nature. I, I was always, for whatever reason, I don't understand why, but I was always like super disciplined. Maybe it's being the oldest child. I don't know exactly what it is, uh, but I was always super disciplined. And like, I grew up, my buddy actually plays college football right now, K-State. And we grew up together playing every sport together. We would be out like Saturday morning and every day after school and Sunday morning out like doing drills and stuff, like second grade, like we'd be doing football drills. And while obviously I never turned into any sort of athlete beyond high school, it was one of the things where I just developed like a good work ethic at a young age. So even in high school, as I was like partying all the time, I'd be up the next morning, like 7 a.m. practicing for whatever sport I had and going hard. And so I, I just always had that like insane discipline. And that really helped me uh, when I ultimately got started in business, because I think that culture, uh, not culture of discipline, but like that strength of discipline and consistency is probably the most important part of entrepreneurship. And, uh, you know, then in terms of growing the company, I mentioned like building a network and things of that nature. LinkedIn was instrumental in that um, and still is to this day. I mean, it's one of our greatest drivers of new business that comes in, employees that ultimately uh, apply and then eventually get hired by us. And uh, that was one of those platforms where I saw it like day one. I saw, OK, this is a B2B platform. I probably didn't even know the term B2B at that point, but 
this is a businessy platform. That's probably what I said, but it definitely has like a social media aspect to it. And while that's not happening, I can see where that is going to take place. And um, I, I kind of bet on the evolution of that. And then, you know, me, you, uh, Sarah Gross, um, Josh Vector, and a lot of others, we, and, and uh, Q, we started creating like video content and people were like, what the fuck is this stuff? But it just made sense to us. And, um, and what's so funny is we were on that before anyone was talking about it. Like yeah. Gary started preaching it maybe a year and a half ago. I mean, we were on this shit in 2017, killing it. And um, it's so awesome to see that and kind of the network that's been built out accordingly. And I think for young people, um, the reason, the number one reason you should be on LinkedIn is not just a networking aspect, but also a personal brand aspect. It just, it says a lot about you. You can become a thought leader really, uh, really simply. Um, and I think that is the best way to learn information is hearing other people in business that actually know what the fuck they're talking about, talking about it in a real context. And 15 minutes on LinkedIn, you can learn so much that 15 minutes on YouTube or TikTok elsewhere, like, yeah, you could learn a little, but LinkedIn, you're just going to see so much and you're seeing it from CEOs, CMOs, SVPs, founders, you name it. So that's probably the number one reason I, I think young people should be on LinkedIn. Agreed. Yeah. I think the just the, again, Gary says it a ton, but organic reach and um, even less organic reach, but more organic network, um, I would mm -hmm. argue is super important. Again, relationships with everything in business and in life. So um, how can you make deeper, actual impactful relationships and LinkedIn has completely changed my life in, in that front. So I definitely agree. Definitely. So we need to copy Gary a little bit. We need to dive into overrated and underrated because yes, I got a lot of So let's let's start with this. I'll introduce the topic. You give an answer, I'll give an answer, and we'll knock them all out. Um, so let's start with TikTok. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. Still Why? bad organic. Organic reach. There's no other platform. You can have zero followers and reach a few million people with one single post. So it's about um knowing your audience and knowing what content works and what doesn't. And it's the simplest platform out there. There is only video. There's one for you page. There's one scrolling feed. Um, and I think they do the best job out of any other platforms probably combined in curating, um, curating your own interests without you having to do anything. Creepy. Sure. Is it normal for social media? Also sure. Um, so I think extremely underrated still. How about you? I would say underrated and I'm going to answer from a brand perspective. I know you work with a lot of personal brands, but from a brand perspective, incredibly underrated, the average brand is getting 118% uh, uh, reach on organic posts, meaning at a bare minimum, you're reaching 18% 18, uh, 18 in terms of new people that you're reaching every single time you post. Uh, and I would say as well, even the brands that are on the platform doing a great job, Gushers, American Eagle, others, they're doing like, a good job and getting insane views. McDonald's is another, but they've only posted like 12 times yet. They're averaging like 1.5 million views per post. So I'm wondering like, what the fuck is going on in your head? That's turning down the amount of reach and impressions that are getting on there. And I know the struggle with it, but it is incredibly underrated from a brand perspective and brands need to jump in now because we've seen time and time again, the brands that jump in early went big and the brands that jump in later are the ones that are the laggards. And then they don't win as big. And, I think people act like they actually have a longer window to jump in on TikTok than they do. I'm telling you, if you do not jump in on 20, in 2021 as a brand, you are going to regret it big time. And you're going to pay two to three to four times as much in terms of your agency partners, in terms of your ad spend, in terms of your influencer budget, if you don't jump in today, just to get the same results that you would if you were to jump in today, where it's incredibly cost affordable. So I would say underrated for that one. Now, a different platform, Snapchat, overrated or underrated? Underrated, still. No one is talking about it. Check the number one app on the App Store, Snapchat. Crazy. People think it's overrated, it's dead, it's done, but they're doing some cool new for you page, they call it Spotlight, um, which is exactly like TikTok. And they're, I don't know if they're still doing it, but I know they're doing it a few weeks ago. They're paying the top maybe 10, yeah. 10 viral videos per day like a million dollars spread up spread across those 10 platforms so i was listening to one of um 
Dobrik's interviews, um, David Dobrik's podcast, and he had, I forgot the dude's name, but he, he's made like $1.3, $1.4 million off of just Snapchat paying him in the past like month. No other platform is, is doing that at that scale. So super interesting. Um, I, I still think it's underrated. I'd say the same. The, the main reason being, I haven't seen a brand effectively work on Snapchat. Yeah. What they're not realizing is that uh, the main value in Snapchat is the, the messaging and conversation that can take place, not necessarily the content consumption, because it's less of like a content consumption platform, more of like an update conversation one, especially for Gen Z. Because with Gen Z, you have uh, more than 50% that are, are, that are daily active users on it. But of those, the average times they check the app is 20 times per day, which is far more than any other social media channel. And outside of iMessage, there's not a single other app that they check more than Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So what that tells me is what brands should be doing, I don't know if it's sharing behind the scenes, sharing what's going on with the brand, sharing exclusive content, uh, relevant to the brand, but they should be updating people and making it more exclusive and sending videos directly to people's inbox, or at least letting people subscribe to follow that brand and posting exclusive shit on it. I still don't think that's happening. I can see the struggles as to why, but Snapchat is incredibly underrated. Agreed. So next on the list, we have Reddit. What's your take on that? Underrated. And that's coming from someone who isn't on Reddit. I've dove into a few, a few, um, what do you even call it? Sub, subreddits, subreddits, subreddits. Um, completely underrated. The community that it builds, obviously we see it um, with Wall Street Bets and Game, Game Stonk and um, that, that whole world, but completely underrated. Yeah, I would agree. I, I see Reddit as underrated from the perspective of how they create conversation and trends so many trends especially like memes and other cultural things are developed through reddit um, i also think that when you look at like reddit demographics you have a highly intellectual individual base which i know yeah. seems strange because like the shit they say is so fucking stupid sometimes but the reality is like reddit those are like smart people having really in-depth unique conversations and they're almost like so intelligent that they create new lingo and new words and new memes that ultimately drive into culture. So I would say Reddit is incredibly underrated, but I would say the same as well. I'm not invested as much into Reddit as I should be. Um, kind of on the, the note of Reddit and our last kind of social media one, Clubhouse, overrated or underrated? Uh, overrated or underrated, yeah. I think Clubhouse is overrated. Why? Because I, I think it's a feature. Instagram's yep. going to launch their own Clubhouse. We see... Twitter already doing it. TikTok probably won't, I'm assuming. Um, but definitely Facebook already is in the works of it. I think it's just a feature. Um, I think it's, it's overrated. Um, is it important right now? Absolutely. I think you can still grow and reach a ton of people. I've already gotten a few um, just warm inbound leads from it. So it absolutely works. But I think overall, it, it'll just turn into a feature. And I think the actual clubhouse app is overrated but the actual um the actual feature of having live conversations like that that's probably underrated i would actually agree with you on this i'm pissed i want to disagree but uh, <laughs> yeah i think clubhouse under or it is overrated for the same reason it is really just a feature the other thing too in terms of how they monetize the platform and in terms of how brands live on it I don't know what that's going to look like. I think it's going to be yeah. incredibly difficult. I think B2B, there's potential, but I think LinkedIn could do the same thing tomorrow, uh, which I'm sure Microsoft probably, I mean, Microsoft should already have the feature for this. They own Skype. It should be fairly easy to integrate that. Um, so I think it's overrated as a platform, uh, but, but like you said, I think it's underrated in terms of utility. Uh, you know, last night I jumped on and Kool-Aid Man, was, which is a client of VaynerMedia's, was in a conversation with Gary Vee and the only thing Kool-Aid Man will respond with was him, of course, yelling, oh, yeah. And, um, wow, that's a really good ploy. I think that's pretty fucking stupid. And <laughs> I don't really see any brand value <laughs> equitable to that. And just, I think in terms of the reach, like, you can't record inside Clubhouse. It's just whack from a lot of perspectives. So I think in the short term, it is, um, it's in a good spot. But, uh, yeah, I think... I think Clubhouse is a 45-day window to figure out their monetization, figure out new product features, and if they don't, they're going to get wiped by everyone yeah. else. 
I agree. There's no way it should be worth a billion dollars either. Yeah. I don't know who comes up with these valuations. I think it's VCs just pulling it out of their ass, which is what they do best. But uh, switching gears a little bit, books, overrated or underrated? Overrated from someone who likes books too. Um, I think there's so many other good platforms to learn on and you need to know how you learn best. Some people hate books and they can't read. That's completely fine. Maybe podcasts, hint, hint, uh, is is something that that works better for them. Um, I don't think you absolutely need to read to consume new information. Tim, I would agree with that as well. I think books are... Books are definitively overrated because I think people read a book and think it's going to change their fucking life. I think the other thing too, that's super overrated is this idea that you have to read a book front to cover. And that's the only way of actually reading it. I think some of the problem is we learn in grade school, how to properly read a book according to an educational system and framework. When in reality, I get the most value out of books when I just have them on my bookshelf and tune into them when I need them and go pick out the chapters I need to read at the time. So one strategy that that I recommend everyone deploy, when you get a new book that you're interested in, go to the first section and go find, go look at all the chapter titles, find the one you think is most interesting, start reading that right away, and then go throughout the book, however you see best fit. But you shouldn't have to read a book front to cover. You shouldn't have to read one book at a time. You should be able to tune in, tune out, read different material. And a book should be more of a information encyclopedia source rather than uh, a, a pretty much a homework assignment, which I think a lot of people treat it, treat it as such. I, I also think people think a book's going to change their fucking life. It's just not, you know? Yeah. And so um, I think it's overrated from that perspective. And kind of the opposite of books, what about podcasts, overrated or underrated? Underrated from a consumption <laughs> and a creation standpoint. I think mm-hmm. it's a great way to have exact conversations like we're having right now, connect with people, but then also... Uh, listen to valuable information without being fully engaged in watching a video or reading a book and you can do it very passively. So podcasts underrated. I would say for podcasts properly rated, the primary reason being, I think it's underrated from a producer standpoint. Like if you're asking me, am I, should I launch a podcast? I'm like, go for it. Um, I think part of the problem with, uh, with, with the, on the consumption side of things is a lot of podcasts are simply conversational. They don't really hit specific material. They're not incredibly valuable. I, I, you know, I listen to a lot of different podcasts that are a 15 minute conversation that really could have been like 15 minutes, which is why I always try to set up our CMO podcast. Like I grill people on that shit. Like I'll be talking to the CMO of a company and I'm like, I'm not giving them questions. Like, tell me about your brand mission. I'm like, Hey, what did you do during the world? You know, I asked the CMO Coke, what did you do? What did you do during the world cup when you had to plan your advertising based on who was going to win and where you would advertise in certain regions of the, the place. And being that it was raced in Brazil in like, I think 2014, 2016, I don't know the year being, being that it was based in Brazil and then Brazil got destroyed by Germany seven to one in the semifinals. If you remember that, how did you have to change your advertising? Because they actually had to flip everything. And they explained to me how they have a boots on ground approach. They had people in Germany, Brazil, Argentina. Uh, what was the other country in the final? I, I forget the other country in the semifinals. Maybe like out of my realm. Bit. But uh, but yeah, so they explained the approach to me. And I'm like, that is valuable shit that you wouldn't hear anywhere else. And yeah. so I think, you know, from a, from a producer standpoint, if you're thinking about launching a podcast, go for it. From a consumption standpoint, I think we need to challenge podcast hosts and those producing content to really like dive deeper into content and stop giving like surface level bullshit. Agreed. Personal brands, overrated, underrated. I would say, damn, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm going to say overrated, but here's why. The reason I say overrated is because I think people think that if they post a few cool videos and photos and like post a lot of content and inspirational shit, that makes them like a personal brand. And that's the only way to be a personal brand. When I think in reality, what personal brands need to be is who you are, but then displayed through your content. And I think a lot of people 
their personal brand is nothing more than an iteration of who they want to be. And I think you can clearly see that happen in the market often. And there's just such a lack of creativity. Like everyone's doing the same goddamn like video styles and talking about the same topics and the same ideas. I know we're literally copying like something from arguably one of the <laughs> brands. So like we're falling into the trap as well, but I think we share kind of our own insights and opinions. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I would say overrated from that perspective, from like the people who are trying to quote unquote develop their personal brand. Uh, but I think underrated from an actual, like a- average everyday person, should they be developing a personal brand? Yes. And I think that side of it is underrated. What's overrated is everyone that like runs a business or is like trying to be an entrepreneur thinking they're the next, like Gary Vee, Mark Zuckerberg, you name it and developing their style accordingly, rather than just being like who they actually are. Yeah, I agree. I think it's underrated if you're going after it in using more buzzwords, authentic manner. Uh, Again, just being who the fuck you are instead of, if I try to be Gary, if I try to be you, if I try to be Shay, like I'm going to fail at that shit. But if I'm me, then I succeed because I am myself. So I think more people, um, Q says it all the time, that social media is just an extension of us. And I think that's so true. So in that context, I think it's extremely underrated and everyone should be um, just treating themselves as media companies and putting out content about just whatever they're interested in. So many opportunities there still. So the next one is directly from the tree of these personal brand gurus and other people that just kind of repurpose nonsense, but cold showers, what's your take on that? Overrated. Yep. Um, find what works for you. Does it have health benefits? Absolutely. Um, I've, I've done them. I've been in stretches where I do them every day. Um, do you need to do that to be successful? No, that's just BS. Um, is it good for you? Yes. Do you need to do it? No. I think it's overrated. Yeah. I think it's overrated and I think it's like really bad that it's overhyped because as if like taking a fucking cold shower is going to like solve all your life's problems. Um, I think it's a lot like a lot of other health tips where we, we want to think it's like universal. Like this is the one like, Oh yeah. Like it has these health benefits, but so does like everything. Like you could argue anything has health benefit and uh, granted if it's like healthy enough. Right. So I mean, you could argue pizza has health benefits. You could be like, well, the endorphins in your brain are really good. And if you really love pizza, then this, and you're training yourself and you're giving yourself a lot of like carbs and really bad, like fats, but uh, it gives you a lot of dopamine hit because all the different flavors, like you could argue anything. I think people think that like, there's a silver bullet answer to like personal health and well-being. uh, And there's simply not like, if you fuck with cold showers, go for it. But personally, I fucking hate cold showers. I'll do it every once in a while if I really need like a kick in my ass. But personally, I love to run in the freezing cold weather without any a shirt on. And I like to be freezing cold out there, not when I'm in the shower. So yeah. that's just me. On that note as well, let's talk about another. Meditation. Underrated. I Why? think meditation is completely underrated. Um, and I think meditation gets a bad rap that you need to be a monk or crazy meditation guru and have to meditate for 75 minutes every single morning in complete bliss and silence when in reality that's that's also bs um i think uh overall spending quiet time with yourself without distractions around you is extremely underrated and that's kind of my definition of meditation is to sit with yourself sit with your thoughts and get a hold of those thoughts i think so many people let their mind control their life and their negative thoughts control their lives when in reality you always have the opportunity to silence those negative thoughts and replace them with positive thoughts, uplifting thoughts, whatever it is to help you in a positive way in your life instead of having those thoughts uh, control your brain. Meditation. Meditation is the single most underrated thing we could talk about. The primary reason being, I think it unlocks an entire new world that hasn't really been spoken about. And I would really, uh, I'd really push everyone to research uh, and, and look into what Yuvaldo Harari has said about this. But meditation, there's so many different applications for it. Ultimately, you should do it on your, your way. But I think it's one of those things where you should really challenge yourself because it's changing how you think about certain things. It's changing. And I've had personal moments where I experienced like this euphoria following or during a meditation 
that I can't even explain what it feels like. And, uh, you know, you've all know Harari really explores what is consciousness? Like, what is the consciousness of the soul of the human brain? And he does this after talking about every single philosophy and religion and breaking them down into detail, evolution, you name it. And essentially what he gets to is really the purpose of meditation is, and, and he boils this down from science from a very long argument, but life is really nothing more than, it, and, and what he relates it to is every breath in and every breath out is life and death, life and death, life and death. Because the reality is there's really no life and death in turn. If you believe in consciousness, which I think everyone listening to this likely does, then there's really no life and death in terms of like your birth, because there either is something after or there's not. And there's, there's experiences happening throughout, but we shouldn't look at our lives as this accumulation of all these things. And we have, you know, maybe 85 or hundred or 150 years on this planet, but rather every moment. And when you can get grounded to that spot, that is how you truly live in the moment to an extreme level. And I found that so fascinating. And the way he, he, he explains it is like, you could breathe in and forget everything you know about yourself and be thinking about totally like something you've never thought about before. And technically speaking in that moment, you are a completely new person and everything you were is just an external perspective of who you are. And you could pretend to be something entirely different. And, you know, you could breathe in and say, holy shit, I'm a fucking dragon, you know? And that's a little bit crazy, but like you could. And there's a lot of meditation programs that are like literally pretend like you're flying in the fucking air right now and like visualize what that feels like. So that's why I think meditation is so underrated because you can visualize yourself in scenarios that are just otherworldly almost. It's literally like a true real world uh, application of what is going to become VR. I dig it. I love that, that perspective. Definitely. That was a little bit lengthy, but we'll finish up the, these last ones real quick. Chipotle, overrated or underrated? Not the stock, but ordering something from Chipotle. Overrated. Oh, Q-dova my life. God. Qdoba life. Qdoba oh life. Oh, my God. Fight okay. me. Sell me on Qdoba right now. Let's do it. Here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. We'll clip this into a longer video. Like, this is no different than Jordan, or, uh, than Jordan Belford. Sell me this pen. You pitch me Qdoba. I'll pitch you Chipotle. Winner take all. Free guac. I'm going to order you Chipotle. Oh, shit. I didn't no. think about that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Taste is subjective. Taste is subjective. I'll give you that. Okay. Let me ask you this, though. What is your Chipotle order, though? Um, you, when you have to go there, because chicken, I guess it's so horrible. A chicken bowl with normal chicken stuff. I, I get a lot of stuff on it besides okay. sour cream. I don't fuck with sour cream. <laughs> good good i don't either here's what you're gonna do i'm actually gonna fucking order you chipotle right now i'm gonna see if yeah. i can. but you're gonna get you're gonna get a burrito bowl okay. you're gonna get double meat with chicken because yep. you need that protein and then barbacoa and then you're gonna yeah, get a slap i've had the barbacoa barbacoa is incredible mix it with the chicken it's even better you're gonna get white rice you can get i i would recommend pinto beans if you're real a black bean guy like go for it Get I the mild salsa. Yeah, yeah. Get the mild salsa. Get uh, get a little bit of cheese if you like cheese. Maybe get a little bit of hot salsa, and maybe get some guac on top. It'll be a little bit pricey, but whatever. <laughs> and then eat that shit with chips. It's gonna add some calories, but damn, that's a fucking game changer. That's what see, I do. I, see, I think the chips at Qdoba are fresher. I like them better, and it's free guac. Again, I I, I actually like them. Okay, both. I'll I, give you that. Chipotle chips are kind of fucking whack. Sometimes, yep. like, they're all salty as hell at the bottom, and then the top ones are kind of stale. So it's a little bit crazy. It's like styrofoam, cardboard. You know, you're kind of convincing me on this. Qdoba but... life. I mean, they're, they're both good. Q, uh, Chipotle owns Gen Z, but I think still Qdoba is the, is the goat. They're super similar. It's, again, outside of taste, which is taste is subjective. Some people like Qdoba. Some people like Chipotle better. I like them, I like them both, but... Qdoba, free guac, better chips. That's it. <laughs> okay, you win this one. You win this Case one. Case closed, baby. Qdoba over Chipotle. Let's go. All right, how about McDonald's or Wendy's? Who are you taking in that? Wendy's. 
Oh my, my gosh, die. <laughs> don't even try. I don't, I don't, I, I used to eat Wendy's a ton. I don't really eat either of them anymore. Um, Wendy's four for four, best deal on the market. Okay. <laughs> Here's the reality. Here's the reality. I can, I can see, I can have, I'm empathetic that you could have that perspective on Qdoba. <laughs> Cause I get that. But this blasphemy that I hear from people sometimes that Wendy's is somehow better than McDonald's is just ludicrous and we need to cut that shit out. I wish that Wendy's would run out of business because I'm sick of even having this conversation. McDonald's is just the OG. The chicken nuggets are unbeatable. Like chicken Wendy's, nuggets slap. Okay, <laughs> slap. The chicken nuggets and new dude, spicy nuggets slap. McDonald's, good job. <laughs> yes. Also, McDonald's fries, Wendy's fries are literally like like the thick, they're like the ones you make in the fucking oven. McDonald's fries, I would do a lot of bad things for a, a medium McDonald's fry. And, and I'm not proud of that. Now, look, here's what I'll say. The burger is kind of whack, but if you get a 20-piece McNugget meal with a large fry, yeah, that's going to be like 4,000 calories and you're going to feel like <laughs> shit. But damn, is that shit good. There is nothing I would rank over McDonald's. And growing up, there's no greater experience than begging your mom to go to McDonald's after school and <laughs> finally takes you there and you're like, fuck yeah, let's go. Let's go. In. See, see in high school, like when, when like Adidas, like first signed, um, first signed Kanye and stuff, it was kind of like Adidas versus Nike. And I, I was like Adidas for life. Now it's like changed a little bit. I re obviously respect both companies, but when Adidas was uh, super hot, I almost viewed like McDonald's versus uh, Wendy's as Nike versus Adidas. And I'm yeah. like, fucking three stripes life, even though Wendy's and Adidas has literally no affiliation. That's how I viewed it. So that's well, how I just kind of You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Look, trust me, I want to be a Wendy's guy. Like, I want to be that guy. But and their Twitter no. account, come on, from a brand standpoint, what, what other fast food company is crushing Twitter better than Wendy's? Yeah, okay, so here's the other thing, though. <laughs> Wendy, Wendy's breakfast is whack. Oh, like, that's what I haven't even touched that. I, I don't trust dude, you if you touch I, Wendy's breakfast. So so I tried it, but here's what's funny. This was a really funny campaign McDonald's did, and, and I was kind of on I, – I knew about this before it actually launched. Um, so Wendy's was prepping the launch. I think this was last year. They were prep, prepping the launch of their breakfast menu. Uh, and it was going to come out. I don't, I think it was like February. I think it was February. It was, it was like pre COVID. Right. And, uh, what McDonald's did, this is the most savage shit ever. McDonald's didn't do any crazy stuff. They didn't run some marketing campaign. What they did was the day Wendy's released was planning to release their breakfast menu. They made national egg McMuffin day and gave everyone free egg McMuffins. <laughs> which is the most savage shit ever because nothing is better than a goddamn sausage egg McMuffin in the morning. Um, they slap. Yep. I'll, okay. I'll give McDonald's that. All right. Okay, GameStop. GameStop stock. Uh, I'll let you go first. Mm, the concept behind it, underrated. Obviously, the stock itself, overrated. I love uh, betting on the on the small guy um, and saying fuck fuck institutions fuck corporations and everything from from that standpoint. So I I think the the concept of it um, of a bunch of going back to our Reddit thread a bunch of just ordinary people like you and me and anyone listening throwing in a few hundred bucks into a stock and pumping the value to uh, squeeze the, the big billion dollar hedge funds out of, out of business with a short. I think that's extremely underrated. It's been around forever, but not really. We have, this is the first one we've really seen take off in a truly social digital age. Um, so I think it's extremely underrated on the concept of what GameStop, uh, GameStop stock stood for at the time. The actual yeah. stock still overrated. Yeah, the movement's underrated. The stock is overrated. Here's what I'll say, uh, and this is just really good advice. I'm all for the underdog, and uh, you know, I'm I'm all for you know giving a big middle finger to the system and the corruptness that does exist. Um, but what I will say is sometimes you got to know when not to fuck with the man. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, especially younger people need to realize that 
spending your life savings to try to fuck over a hedge fund manager, like probably not probably gonna be tough for you to actually win that game. Like I, I would say it's like pick the battles, like pick the right battles. Like that is yeah. not a good battle to pick. Don't go against hedge funds. And here's what I would say. Like the reality, like there's a couple different ways of how this can take place, but uh, we haven't, I mean, 2008, 2009 was literally fucking yesterday. It feels like, and we still have the same problems in our financial institutions today. Yeah. And uh, you know, we know what happened from that. Like only three people went to jail and like two of them didn't do shit. They just got <laughs> blamed for everything. And the actual corrupt people got off fine and got, they, they actually um, then got uh, their, their buyout or whatever, or where uh, we, we pretty much saved the banks and uh, the taxpayer did, of course. So what I would say for a lot of people is don't fuck with the man, just become the man. Like the reality is our, like, our generation, we're up next and we're gonna be running this shit in a few decades, uh, probably sooner, like I would say one or two. And so right now, just focus on becoming the man and don't try to destroy the system because it's just not gonna happen, um, which is really pessimistic, but like I would be patient with it. Um, Okay, our final three here. TikTok influencers, overrated or underrated? Subjective, but underrated as a whole. Yep. Yep, I couldn't agree more. I think at the tippy top, super overrated. I think too many brands are trying to work with Addison Rae, Charlie D'Amelio, Bryce Hall, you name it, and not enough are trying to reach with the next like 25 through 1,000 top influencers that have millions of followers and are really affordable. Um, But... Yeah, those ones are incredibly underrated. How about how about dating? And I'll 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 cue up the perspective for this. I know you and I are both in a relationship, uh, but like young people dating, like is that something people should be doing or should not be doing? Mm. It's a yeah, tough. That's one. such a good one. Um, so I'll give, I'll give my answer. Go I ahead. think dating is incredibly overrated for young people. The primary reason being, I see a lot of people who are dependent individuals. There's a really good book on this, mm. uh, Wild at Heart, I want to say. But, <laughs> I man, I came to listen. But <laughs> I think a lot of people are not independent and confident in themselves, and they don't have, like, all their bases covered yet. I'm not saying you have to be fucking, you know, perfect individual. But I think you need to be able to spend time with yourself alone and, like, like who you actually are before you get into a relationship. Yeah. And I see a lot of people, they aren't good at certain things. So they get into a relationship because this other person is going to help them become better at that. And then what they quickly realize is now you're just in a relationship with where both of you are equally dependent upon one another for self-esteem and things of that nature, which is really bad. I think the only way relationships at a young age can work well and not harm your long-term growth is when you have two independent individuals that are both in the spot where they're both like, look, I love who the fuck I am. I'm independent. I'm going to do my own thing sometimes. And we're, we could both leave one another and be fine on our own. Obviously you're not going to do that because you enjoy each other's company and such, but that's what I would say is overrated when people think like a relationship is going to fix a problem of theirs. Like I'm bad at this. So I need to be in a relationship so I can fix it. And it's like, that is not how it works. It's a really bad way to set up a relationship. What's your take? I love that. I, I agree that it's overrated from that sense. Um, my girlfriend, Katie and I, uh, we always say that we're not each other's other half. Like that's fucking yes. bullshit. We're, yes. we're each individual we're whole, whole individual people. people that come together and we're awesome. And, um, we've grown over time. We definitely started off thinking like, Oh, you're my other half. And like, we both had insecurities. We were both trying to fix ourselves, find ourselves. And we we've taken breaks along the way, but at, at, at the end of the day, I think too many, too many young kids just get into relationships without uh, fully realizing who they are first. So realize who you are. And then when you're ready for it, get into a, get into that relationship on that awesome. same note to wrap things up yep. dating apps. Tinder, Bumble, you name it. I think from a brand perspective, so underrated. Brands are not using them to advertise enough. We launched a campaign a year ago with a minor league or uh, an affiliate hockey team, the Florida Everblades. So they're not NHL, but the league below. And uh, what we did was we put the mascot on Tinder and everyone who matched with the mascot got a free ticket to a, a special tailgate that happened on Valentine's Day. So damn, that was actually over a year ago. And uh, it went fucking bonkers on social media. 
all the kids in their their state their arena uh their rink i should say is located next to florida gulf coast university really big mm. university down there and fau's i think close as well and so uh we targeted it specifically at university students and it went bonkers and all these and and he's a guy it was uh what's what was the mask on i forget the mask on name but uh, yeah, he would match with people. They would have a conversation. We would say really funny things like with an, a, the alligator, like meme kind of shaped into it. And it was just fucking hilarious. So I don't think brands aren't thinking about that enough. I also think they're not thinking about the advertising potential um, of the platform uh, where they can show up through a swipe. And the ones that, that I've seen like do it, I think they integrate, but they don't really integrate well like with it. Like understand the consumer mindset there. They're looking to like, find someone to potentially date or hook up with. And so it's not a good time for you to run your super emotional brand advertisement, like during that, that consumer sentiment, like you need yeah. to be funny, you need to be witty and you need to like be in on the joke almost. Yep. Um, I've never actually been on a dating app, so I'll say it's overrated. Uh, you don't really need them. Um, mm -hmm. unless you're wanting to hook up with people. Sure. You can, you can use it. I personally have never, never been on one. So I'll say, uh, I'll say overrated on that front. And that in concludes our first Gen Z overrated underrated. This is the end of the episode and wanted to say thank you so much for making it to the end, which is super rare in an age of digital distraction and constant noise everywhere on social media. My only ask to you is to share this podcast with a friend if you think it was valuable to yourself. So that's all I got. Hope you enjoyed the episode and stay tuned for more weekly content going forward.